0: Miss Milah, Rahman, Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Rubil Alamin, Osolah, who was Sella Mubarak, Alanabina, Mohammed, Walla, Alihi, Wosahbi, Ejmain, Robbish Rahli, Sodri, Wayasirli, Emri, Wahlul, Rukdatamilisani, Yafkahu, Kauli, Allahumma, Alimna, Mayan, Faruna, and Farna, Bima, Alam, Tana, Wazidna, Ilma. Last week we spoke about the acceptance of Islam by the tribe of Thaqif and the city of Taif. So now Alhamdulillah, Mecca is Muslim and Ta'if is Muslim and the Prophet sallallahu has basically taken control of the whole western region of the Arabian Peninsula. So this was towards the end of the 8th year of the Hijrah. So the Fath of Mecca and also the Islam of the people of Ta'if, that took place towards the end of the 8th year of the Hijrah. The next year after that, the ninth year of the Hijrah, that was the most glorious year for the Muslims. And that year, the ninth year of Hijrah, is known as Amul Wufud. That's the year that the big groups of people came and accepted Islam. So, tribes and people, they came one after another to accept Islam. That was the ninth year. Of the hijra known as becoming muslim in big waves and the people had seen by this point that now islam is the dominant religion in the arabian peninsula and there is no stopping the spread of islam so they decided that they should join islam and become muslims so it was the ninth year of the hijra when all of this started to manifest and it was a glorious year for islam and the muslims and one of the greatest events that took place during that year the ninth year of the hijra was the expedition of tabuk Ghazwat, Tabuk, and this took place or the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam set forth from medina in the month of rajab in the month of rajab of the ninth year of hijra and when we say that the ninth year of hijra was the amul it was the the year where where waves of people started accepting Islam. A number of those people accepted Islam before the Battle of Tabuk, and a number of them accepted Islam after the Battle of Tabuk. The Battle of Tabuk or the expedition of Tabuk it took place in the month of Rajab, and that's the seventh month. So there were people who accepted Islam from amongst the tribes of the Arabian Peninsula before the Ghazwat of Tabuk, and there were others who accepted it after the Ghazwa of Tabuk. But today, inshallah, we will speak about the expedition of Tabuk. And after that, inshallah, we will speak about the different tribes that came into Islam during the ninth year of the Hijrah. Some of them before Tabuk, and some of them after Tabuk. So, as we spoke about before, in the previous year, the eighth year of the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ had sent Khalid ibn al Walid and a group of Muslims to fight the Ghassasina. And those were the Christians who were in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula and they were under the umbrella of the Roman Empire. So the Prophet ﷺ had sent Khalid ibn al Walid and an expedition of Muslims to go and confront them. And that was the Battle of Mu'tah. And in the Battle of Mu'tah, the Muslims were vastly outnumbered. They were vastly outnumbered. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, he organized a strategic retreat. So the Muslims retreated and they went back to Medina. Now, this year, the ninth year of the Hijrah, the Muslims are much stronger now. And they are much larger in number. After the Fath of Mecca. A lot of different tribes entered into Islam. So now the numbers of the Muslims are greatly increased. So now the Prophet wanted to retaliate against the Roman Empire, the Ghassasina, and the Roman Empire for their previous transgressions and what they did against the Muslims the year before. So the Prophet felt now that we're ready to go and face them. We have the manpower now and we have the strength and the dominance to go and face the Roman Empire. And just to understand the historical context here, the Roman Empire at that time, it was the strongest empire in the world. It was the most powerful nation on earth, the Roman Empire. And it was led by Hiraqal. And we spoke earlier about the letter that the Prophet ﷺ had sent to Hiraqal and how Hiraqal did not accept Islam but he did realize that the Prophet is actually a messenger of Allah. Hiraqal was a Christian and he was a knowledgeable Christian. He was a scholar of Christianity actually. So he knew that it was time for a Prophet to come and he recognized that the Prophet Muhammad was this Prophet. But because he wanted to hang on to his kingdom. He feared that accepting Islam would make him lose his power. He did not become a Muslim and he stayed on Christianity. So, anyways, now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam organizes this huge expedition to go and confront the Roman Empire. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam ordered that all able bodied men must participate in this expedition. That you don't have a choice here. If you are a man, and if you're able to carry weaponry, and if you're in good health, you have to join this expedition. You are obliged to join this expedition. You don't have a choice. No one is allowed to stay back. As long as you're physically able to go, you have to go. So this order of the Prophet wasallam it included the Muslims of Medina, and it also included the Muslims of the other tribes who had accepted Islam. So the Prophet alaihi wasallam he informed the people where they were going. He said, we are going to Tabuk. We're going to confront the Roman Empire. And that is in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula. So it's a very long journey. It's a far expedition that they have to take. And the Prophet told them this, that this is where we're going. So make sure that you are ready for this. And of course, this was going to be a very difficult expedition. First of all, the distance is extremely far. All the way to the northern end of the Arabian Peninsula, near Jordan. Also, it was the month of Rajab, which was very hot. It was very, very hot that year. And also, it was a time of drought. They hadn't had rain for a long period of time. So it was hot and dry and far. So this was going to be a very difficult journey. And the Prophet told them, in advance where they were going so they knew that this is not going to be just an easy journey this is going to be a very difficult journey and it turned out to be a real test to differentiate the true Muslims from the Munafiqeen the Munafiqeen who knew that the distance is so far and it's so hot they didn't want to go but the real Muslims who had true Iman they were ready to go to the pro- with the Prophet sallallahu wherever he told them to go, no matter what the conditions were. So this became a differentiator. It became a test to differentiate the Muslims from the hypocrites. Because of the difficulty of this journey and the difficulty of this expedition, Ghazwat Tabuk, the expedition of Tabuk is also known as Ghazwatul Usra, the expedition of difficulty because of The difficult nature of the journey, the distance, the heat, the drought, all of these things together made it a very difficult journey. So that's why it's also known as Ghazwatul Usra. So when the Prophet ﷺ gave this order that all men must join this expedition and he told them where they were going, then the Munafiqeen, the hypocrites, they started to make all sorts of excuses not to go. And they were very lame excuses, ridiculous excuses. And they went to the Prophet ﷺ with these excuses, telling him that we can't go because of this, we can't go because of that. One of them, Al Jid ibn Qais, he was one of the Munafiqeen. And if you remember this name, Al Jid ibn Qais, we spoke about him briefly when we spoke about the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. He was the only Munafiq who was with the Muslims at Hudaybiyah. And when the Prophet ﷺ took the bay'ah, or he took the oath of allegiance from the Muslims at Hudaybiyah, Al Jid ibn Qais, he was hiding behind a camel so that he wouldn't have to take that pledge of allegiance with the Prophet. ﷺ. So, all of the Muslims there, there were about 1,500 Muslims at Hudaybiyah, they took this pledge of allegiance with the Prophet. ﷺ. But Al jidd ibn Qais, he was the only Munafiq who was with them, and he was hiding behind the camel so he wouldn't be seen, so he wouldn't have to take that pledge of allegiance with the Prophet. ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ said about the people who took the Pledge of Allegiance at Hudaybiyah under the tree. He said about them, all of the people who took this pledge, they will enter Jannah. Illa Sahib Al Jamal Al-Ahmar. He said, All of these people who took this pledge, they will all enter Jannah. The people of Hudaybiyah, they're all from the people of Jannah, except the person who was hiding behind the red camel. And that is Al-Jid ibn Qais. So he was from the Munafiqeen. So now This is a few years later. His excuse not to go to Tabuk, what he told the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ya Rasulullah, you know that I am very easily tempted by women. When I see beautiful women, I cannot control myself. And the women of Bani Asfar, that's the Roman women. He said, the Roman women, they're the most beautiful women. So if I go there and I see these women, I will not be able to control myself and I may fall into something haram. So it's going to be a big fitna for me, Ya Rasulullah, if I go with you. If I go with you, it's going to be a big fitna for me. So he said, اِذَلِّي walla taftinni." He said, give me permission to stay in Medina and don't cause me to go into this fitna, Ya Rasulullah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding this excuse of Al-Jit ibn Qais. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ وَلَا تَفْتِنِّي فِي الْفِتْنَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says from amongst them there are those who say give us permission to stay and do not cause us to fall into temptation and fitna. But then Allah says فِي الْفِتْنَةِ سَقَطُوا Haven't they already fallen into fitna? The fact that they're making excuses not to go for jihad isn't this a fitna? And surely jahannam it encompasses the disbelievers. So this was a severe criticism of Al-Jid ibn Qais, this munafiq. So anyways, these munafiqeen, they're coming to the Prophet ﷺ with all sorts of excuses why they can't go with him. And anyone who asks the Prophet ﷺ for permission to stay, the Prophet ﷺ just gives them permission to stay. Whatever excuse they give, he says, okay, okay, you can stay. So some of them said, oh, it's too hot. Right now, it's too hot. So we'll wait until it cools down and then we'll catch up with you guys. We'll come later. This was one of the excuses they gave. The Munafiqeen, they would tell each other, don't go in the heat, it's too hot. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, say to them, the heat of Jahannam is more severe than the heat that you are in right now. If only they could understand. So they gave all sorts of excuses. All sorts of lame justifications why they're not going with the Prophet ﷺ. and the Prophet, ﷺ, whoever asked him to stay, he said, okay, you can stay. But the true Muslims, they made no excuses. They knew it's going to be difficult, they knew this is not going to be easy, but this is the order of Rasulullah sallallahu So sami'na wa ata'na. We hear and we obey. No excuses. Even the very poor people who had nothing They didn't have anything. They didn't have an animal. They didn't have weapons. They had nothing. They came to the Prophet ﷺ saying, Ya Rasulullah, we want to go. We don't have anything. We don't have any animal. We don't have any supplies. We don't have any weapons. We have nothing. But still we want to go with you. So if you can help us, if you can provide us with supplies and weapons, we will go with you. We want to go with you. Ya Rasulullah. So what the Prophet ﷺ did to try to accommodate these people as much as possible, he organized a fundraising campaign. They actually organized a fundraising so that people would donate and they would use these funds to prepare those who didn't have enough to have enough supplies to go for the expedition. So the Prophet ﷺ announced this, مَنْ جَهَّزَ جَيْشَ Usra Falahul Jannah. مَنْ جَهَّزَ جَيْشَ Usra فَلَهُ Jannah. Whoever prepares the army for this difficult expedition, this person will have Jannah so whoever provides supplies and supplies uh, and weaponry and animals and whatever we need whoever makes these arrangements you will have Jannah for making these arrangements so a rich man came a rich (coughs) a rich man came and he donated a large amount a big amount and the Munafiqeen saw him and they saw him donate this big amount and they said look this guy He's just trying to show off. He's giving so much of a donation because he just wants to show off. He wants people to see him and he wants people to praise him. He's just trying to show off. This is the disease in the heart of the munafiqeen. They always have bad thoughts about people. Then a poor man came, a man who really didn't have much and he donated a small amount, a very small amount. So then the munafiqeen, when they saw this man donating a small amount, they laughed at him. And they said, like, what is this? What's the use of his donation? Who needs this? This is worthless. So people who would donate big amounts, they would, they would mock them. People who would donate smaller amounts, they would mock them. This is just the way of the munafiqeen. Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, At that time, he had a good amount of money. So he thought to himself, okay, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi is asking for funds to prepare this army. I happen to have a good amount of money with me at this time. So this is going to be my chance. This is my opportunity to finally outdo Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr, whenever there's something like this, he always outdoes me. But this is going to my, be my chance. Today I am going to outdo Abu Bakr. So Umar radiallahu an, he came with 50% of his wealth. 50% of what he had. And he came to the Prophet sallallahu And he said, Ya Rasulullah, this is for the preparation of the army. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to Umar, what have you left for your family? And Umar he said, I have left the same amount that I have given you. I have left for them. So I have given you 50% and I left with my family 50%. So the Prophet was happy and he made dua for Umar ibn al-Khattab. Then Abu Bakr came. And Umar was excited that today I'm going to outdo Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr came and he gave the Prophet wasallam an amount of wealth. And the Prophet wasallam asked him the same question. Ya, yeah, Abu Bakr, what have you left for your family and abu bakr radiallahu anh, he said i have left allah and his messenger i have left with my family allah and his messenger meaning he did not leave any wealth with them he came to the prophet sallallahu alaihi with everything that he owned his complete wealth and he gave it to the prophet sallallahu alaihi for the preparation of this expedition so when umar radiallahu an saw this He said to himself, On that day I realized that I will never ever be able to outdo Abu Bakr in anything. If there's ever a competition between Abu Bakr and Umar, it's always Abu Bakr who is going to come out on the top. And Umar, he says, I realized it on that day. Uthman Ibn Affan. And he was from the most wealthy of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uthman ibn Affan. So he had prepared a trade caravan to Syria so he used to do business and he used to send these trade goods to Syria and the people who would take his caravan to Syria they would sell his goods in Syria and then they would bring back goods from Syria so this was the business that Uthman used to do so he had just prepared a caravan to go to Syria before the announcement for this expedition came so he had his caravan ready to do business in Syria it was a huge caravan of 300 fully equipped camels 300 camels all full of supplies each one of those 300 camels was loaded with supplies so when the call came to prepare the army for tabuk Uthman he cancelled his business plans he had all of these 300 camels with all of the, these supplies on them, ready to go to Syria for business. He cancelled the business plans and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, this is all for you. This is all for you, for the preparation of this army. Imagine that, this is, this is huge. And Uthman was the one who donated the most on that day. 300 fully loaded camels. So imagine how many soldiers that could accommodate. This was Uthman radiallahu And the Prophet ﷺ was so happy with this and he was so impressed with Uthman radiallahu that he said something amazing. He said something amazing. He said, مَا ضَرَّ عُثْمَانَ مَا فَعْلَ بَعْدَ الْيَوْمِ مَا ضَرَّ عُثْمَانَ ما فعل بعد اليوم. Whatever Uthman does after today, it will not harm him. It will not harm him. So even if he makes any mistakes or if he commits any sins after today, it will not affect him. Because what he did today will cancel everything out. So this was how pleased the Prophet ﷺ was with Uthman. And this is how pleased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was with Uthman. So eventually they were able to organize an army of 30,000 men. Subhanallah, imagine this, 30,000 men, this is the biggest Muslim army to date. Just a year earlier in the Fath of Mecca, when when Mecca was conquered, that was an army of about 10,000 men. This army is three times bigger than that. A Muslim army of 30,000 men. And many of the poor people who didn't have any supplies, Alhamdulillah, they were still able to go because of the donations of these generous people like Uthman and Abu Bakr and Umar and Abdurrahman ibn Awf and others they were able to provide a, a big amount of help so that a lot of these poor people who had nothing were able to go now alhamdulillah but still there were some whom the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam could not find any supplies for them to come along Even after all of the donations, so many poor people were able to come because of that. But still there were some poor people who still wanted to come. Even after all those donations had been distributed. There were still some poor people who wanted to come. And the Prophet ﷺ had nothing to carry them with. They had no animals, they had no weapons, they had no supplies, nothing. And that was it. This was after the fundraising. But they still wanted to go with the Prophet ﷺ and they said to him ya rasulullah find something so that we can go with you this was their ikhlas their sincerity they really wanted to go with the prophet sallallahu alaihi but the prophet sallallahu very sadly he had to say to them la ajidu ma ahmilukum i can't find anything to carry you with there is nothing left you can't go so these poor companions of the Prophet sallallahu they were so sad, they wanted to go so badly, even though they had a valid excuse not to go. Not like the munafiqeen who were able to go but just didn't want to go. They weren't making excuses like the munafiqeen. They weren't saying oh it's too hot, it's too far. No, nothing like that. They wanted to go but they physically couldn't go because they had no supplies, no animals, no supplies, nothing. And the Prophet sallallahu had to turn them away. He said, I don't find anything that i can carry you with so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about these people wa yajidu ma that these people they turned away after the prophet said i'm sorry there's nothing that i can carry you with they turned away and their eyes were full of tears they were crying out of sadness that they can't go with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam on this expedition. So this is true iman. These are the people of ikhlas and sincerity, anhum So when when it was time to leave, when it was time to move forward towards Tabuk, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he put Ali ibn Abi Talib in charge of Medina. So Ali radiallahu an was not going to accompany the Muslim army on this expedition because his responsibility was to. Take care of the affairs of Medina in the absence of the Prophet. So when the Prophet and the Muslims they left, when the army left Medina and they were on their way to tabuk and Ali radiallahu is there in Medina taking care of the affairs of Medina, the Munafiqeen always wanting to start some problems and some rumors and wanting to make suspicions in the minds of people. The munafiqeen, they started a rumor that The Prophet he doesn't want Ali to be with him. He left Ali here in Medina because he doesn't want to deal with him. He doesn't want him to be around. So this rumor reached Ali radiallahu anna and it 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 hurt him. And it got him to think like, is it true? Is this why the Prophet left me here? Because he doesn't want me to be on his side. So he felt afraid and he felt scared and he felt worried. So quickly he put on his armor and he caught up he went very fast and he caught up with the army and when the prophet sallallahu alaihi saw him he said ya ali didn't i put you in charge of medina what are you doing here and then ali said i was afraid that the reason why you put me in charge of medina was because you didn't want me to be with you and then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to ali radiyallahu an ya ali wouldn't you like to be with me as harun was to musa your position with me is like the position of Harun with Musa. When Musa salam went to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he left his people, who did he put in charge? He put Harun a.s. in charge. So the Prophet was comparing this. He said, wouldn't you like to be in relation to me like Harun was to Musa except, except for the fact that there is no Prophet after me. Musa a.s. was a Prophet and Harun a.s. was also a Prophet. But as for the Prophet sallallahu and Ali yes Ali radiallahu is in the position of Harun to Musa except for the fact that Ali radiallahu is not a Prophet. Harun alayhi was a Prophet but Ali radiallahu was not a Prophet. So the Prophet sallallahu he clarified that. You are like, you are to me like Harun was to Musa except that you are not a Prophet because there is no Prophet after me. So with this explanation Ali radiallahu was happy He heard it straight from the Prophet so he felt that comfort and peace in his heart and he went back to Medina to take care of the affairs of Medina. From those who did not go with the army and stayed back in Medina was a great companion of the Prophet His name was Abu Khaythama. Abu Khaythama was not a Munafiq. He was a very good Muslim actually. But he was very comfortable In Medina he had two wives and he just got the first fruits of the season so that kind of distracted him from joining the army so he made a mistake and he stayed in Medina while the army had left so he had his two wives they brought him these beautiful fruits the first fruits of the season he was comfortable he was relaxed but then he thought to himself he said I'm so comfortable, I have my wives here, I have these beautiful fruits, I'm in the comfort of my own home right here in Medina, I'm in the shade. While Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is marching forward in the heat of the sun. Wallahi, this is not fair. How can I do this? How can I feel this comfort in my home? While the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he is on the path to Fight and he is in the heat. How can I feel comfort? So he realized his mistake and he immediately he told his wives. He said, prepare my riding animal with the supplies immediately. And I'm going to go and catch up with the Muslim army. They had already left. But he said, I'm going to quickly catch up with them. So they prepared his animal and he quickly left Medina. Now the army, they would move forward and then they would rest and then they would move forward and they would rest. But Abu Khaythamah in order to catch up with the army, he didn't rest. He just went forward and forward and forward and forward without stopping until he finally reached. Now before he reached, before he reached, the Prophet Wasallam, from time to time, he would go and he would examine the army. He would examine the army to see who is there and who's not there. And he noticed some people missing and he knew that these people were not from the Munafiqeen but he still noticed that they were not here now imagine this it's a 30,000 men army 30,000 men in this army but the Prophet sallallahu with his examination he is able to recognize who is there and who is not there so he he realized that a few people from his close companions who he knew to be sincere companions he noticed that they were missing like Ka'b ibn Malik Hilal ibn Umayya, Murara ibn al-Rabi'i, Abu Khaythama. He noticed that some of these companions are missing. But he didn't know why they were not here. So he noticed that Abu Khaythama was missing. After a while, they noticed a single rider coming quickly from a distance, from a far distance. The Sahaba عنهم, and the Prophet they saw someone coming from far. And he was just one person on one animal, and of course, because he was still a bit of a distance away, they couldn't recognize who he was. So some of the companions they started guessing: "It's probably him. It's probably him." And they started naming out names. And the Prophet ﷺ said, "Kun aba Khaythama. Kun aba Khaythama. That let it be Abu Khaythama." And when he came closer, the Prophet ﷺ realized that it actually was Abu Khaythama. So Abu Khaythama, he came to the Prophet Wasallam and he met the Prophet وسلم, and the Prophet وسلم, was very angry with him. Why are you late? Why didn't you leave with the rest of the army? The Prophet وسلم, was angry with him, and he said, "Aulala ya Abu Khaythama, Awlalaka ya Abu Khaythama," and this means that you are almost destroyed, ya Abu Khaythama. You are almost destroyed, ya Abu Khaythama. But alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him and he came. And the Prophet sallallahu pardoned him for coming late. And he made du'a for Abu Khaythamah radiallahu So now they're on their way to Tabuk. And on the way they pass by Madain Salih. Madain Salih. Madain Salih is the place where the Thamud used to live. The tribe of Thamud they used to live. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Prophet Salih alayhi salam to the Thamud. And they rejected his call and eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed them. And the place where this occurred was a place known as Madain Salih, also known as Mantaqa Al-Hijr. So they passed by this area and they camped out just outside Al-Hijr, outside the area. Not in the city, but outside the area. Where the Thamud was, so some of the Sahaba radiyallahu they went into Madain Salih. They went into Al Hijr, which is the place, the actual place where the Azab, where the punishment came to the Thamud. Some of the Sahaba went inside there, and there were some wells there, and they took some water from those wells, and they also found some cooking utensils there, like some pots and stuff, and they used that to cook as well. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't know that they were doing this. But when the Prophet ﷺ found out that they took water from the wells inside Madain Saleh, and they used the cooking utensils of Madain Saleh, the Prophet ﷺ, he was upset. And he said to them, How can you do this? How can you use their water and their utensils? These are people that Allah taala has cursed and His punishment came down upon these people. Do not drink from their water. Do not use their utensils. The Prophet ﷺ ordered for them to leave whatever they had taken from there. And he ordered them not to drink that water that they had collected. And he said, when you pass through an area where the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come, then pass by there crying. Crying. Remembering what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did to those people. Pass by there crying so that what happened to them will not happen to you. So they had to get rid of everything that they got from there they couldn't drink that water and they were very thirsty remember it's so hot there's a drought and they were very thirsty for water and the prophet said you cannot drink that water that you collected from the wells of thamud so then they asked the prophet sallallahu ya rasulullah we're very thirsty can you make dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send down rain so the prophet sallallahu accepted this request and he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send down rain and it rained and it rained and it rained and the people alhamdulillah they were able to drink until their thirst was quenched and they even took baths with their water and they felt relief and they felt comfort with that rain walhamdulillah continuing on the way and remember this is a long journey continuing on the way Abu Dharr one of the great companions of the Prophet وسلم, Abu Dharr al-Ghifari عنه, he fell behind. He left Medina with the army, but over time he fell behind the army. So on one of the inspections, the periodic inspections of the Prophet وسلم, he noticed Abu Dhar was missing. Where is Abu Dhar? And then some of the Sahaba, they said, perhaps the dunya distracted him maybe he decided to go back to Medina and the Prophet said don't say that you should not have bad thoughts about people but the reason why Abu Dhar fell behind the actual reason was that his camel got sick the camel that he was riding it became sick and it was not able to move fast anymore and he tried to do whatever he could to get it to move faster but it just wouldn't move then Abu Dhar he realized that I cannot continue all the way with this camel Either I'll have to go back to Medina, but then I will miss the whole expedition. Or I can just leave the camel and I can just take whatever is possible for me to carry and walk and catch up with the rest of the army. So what he decided to do, he didn't want to miss the expedition. He took whatever supplies he could off that camel and he carried it on his own back. He left his camel and he started walking, he started walking until he caught up with the rest of the army. Now before he caught up, the people, they saw a man without an animal. They saw a man in the distance walking towards them. And again, they started playing the guessing game. Some of the sahaba said, it's probably such and such. And then some of them said, no, it's probably such and such, such and such, such and such. And the Prophet ﷺ said, "Kun أَبَا Let it be Abu Dhar. And when he came, in fact, it was Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu. And Abu Dharr radiyallahu he explained to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam what happened ya Rasulullah my camel got sick so i had to leave it i had to carry my supplies on my back and i came and then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said to Abu Dharr he said dhar, yamshi wahdahu wa wahdahu wa wahda. may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on Abu Dharr he walks alone and he will die alone and he will be raised alone and it's a long story with Abu Dhar, but more than twenty years after this, more than twenty years later, Abu Dhar an, he died and he died alone, and he was buried in a secluded place alone. And Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud he remembered what the Prophet had said more than twenty years ago. After Abu Dhar died, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud remembered this, what the Prophet said. Yamshiwahdah. واحدة واحدة, that he walks alone, he will die alone, and he will be raised alone. So Abu, Abu, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, عنه, he remembered this and he cried over Abu Dharr. And this is more than 20 years later. Finally, after a long journey in the heat, a difficult journey, the Prophet and the army, they reached Tabuk. Tabuk, which is in the northern part of the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, In modern terms, it is the northern border of Saudi Arabia just before entering Jordan. This is Tabuk. So the Prophet ﷺ reached Tabuk with his army and he set up his camp there. When he set up his camp there, he sent small groups of the Sahaba to the different tribes who were nearby to conquer those tribes. And he conquered a number of nearby tribes and many of those tribes, they agreed to pay the jizya. They agreed to pay the tax to the muslims without fighting that we don't want to fight you you can you can have control of our lands and we will pay you a certain amount of money in order to live peacefully and stay in these lands so this is called the jizya so many of those tribes that were around the area they didn't want to fight with the muslims because they understood the dominance of islam now So they said, okay, we don't want to fight you. We will pay the jizya and let us stay here and live peacefully under your rule. So this was accepted from a number of those tribes. So now the main purpose of this expedition was to confront the Roman Empire, which was the most powerful empire in the world at that time. So the Prophet ﷺ, he set up his camp in Tabuk, and he sent a messenger with a letter to go to Hiraqal, who was the emperor of the Roman Empire, inviting him to Islam. And if not, then challenging him to come. We are here in Tabuk. You can come and you can face us and we will fight. Now, near Tabuk was an area known as Dawmatul Jandal. Dawmatul Jandal was a place that the Muslims had tried to conquer before. But they were unable to do it. And now, the Prophet ﷺ, he sent Khalid ibn al-Walid and a group of companions to go and try to conquer Dawmatul Jandal again. So Khalid, he went to Dawmatul Jandal, which is near the area. And the king of Dawmatul Jandal, he was a man named Ukaydir. And he was a man who loved hunting. He was a king, but he loved hunting. So the Prophet wasallam told Khalid, he said, Ya Khalid, go to Dawmatul Jandal and you will find Ukaydir. You will find Ukaydir, the king of Dawmatul Jandal. You will find him hunting a type of wild cattle. You will find him hunting a type of wild cattle. So Khalid, with these instructions, he went to Dawmatul Jandal. He went to Dawmatul Jandal. And the people of Dawmatul Jandal, they were aware that the Muslims were in the area. So they were afraid. So they went into their fortress. They went into their fortress, anticipating that perhaps the Muslims are going to come and try to fight with them. So they went into the fortress before the Muslims came. So Khalid and his team, they came to Domatul Jandal and they saw that the people had hidden themselves inside the fortress. So Khalid and his people, they hid as well. They hid, waiting for someone to come out of the fortress. They didn't want their presence to be known, but they were just waiting patiently for someone to come out of the fortress. So they waited for a while. And then one of these wild cattle, it came near the fortress. It came near the fortress. And it kept inching closer and closer and closer. And ukaydir the king of Domatul Jandal who was inside the fortress, he could see it. And it came closer and closer and closer. And he loved hunting. And he saw it so close. He said, it's so close, I cannot, I cannot let it go. So he decided to leave the fortress in order to go and hunt that animal. So as soon as he came out of the fortress, Khalid ibn al-Walid caught him he captured him, and he took him to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam and okay there he spoke to the Prophet sallallahu and he said we will agree to pay the jizya as well Just let us live peacefully in the land we will subject ourselves to your rule we'll be under your rule but let us live peacefully in our lands we don't want to fight you and we will pay the jizya so the Prophet sallallahu accepted this and there was no fighting with the people of Dawmatul Jandal, they agreed to live under Muslim rule by paying the jizya. So now you see here, alhamdulillah, Islam, it's reaching everywhere. And now people, they are ready to subject themselves to Muslim rule without even fighting. So it shows the dominance that Islam has reached at this point, Alhamdulillah. Alright, the messenger of the Prophet wasallam finally reached Hiraqal the emperor of the Roman Empire and he gave him the message of the Prophet ﷺ. So Hiraqal he read the message of the Prophet ﷺ and he said to the messenger of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, you go back. Go back to your people and i will send a reply with my own messenger. I will will send a reply to this message with my own messenger. You can go back. So the messenger of the Prophet ﷺ went back. And then Hiraqal wanted to find a messenger for himself and he wanted this messenger to be a Christian just like he was and he wanted him to be someone who was smart and someone who was very observant so finally he found a young Christian man and he decided that this person is going to be my messenger to go back to Muhammad with my message so he wrote his message he wrote his reply to the Prophet ﷺ and he sent it with his own Christian messenger. But before he sent his messenger off, Hiraqal told him, he said, Okay, I want you to go to Muhammad and I want you to look for three signs. I want you to be very observant and look for three signs. The first sign, does he mention his letter? I want you to see if he asks about the letter that he sent to me. But what did I do with the letter? See if he asks about his letter. Second condition or the second thing that I want you to observe, does he mention the day and the night? Does he mention the day and the night? And the third thing that I want you to look out for, I want you to look at his back between his shoulders and I want you to see if you see a seal, like a, a, a mark which is the seal of prophethood. So three things that he asked him to observe. And the reason why Hiraqal asked his messenger to observe these things and to look for these things is because Hiraqal, as we mentioned, he was the emperor of the Roman Empire and he was also a scholar of Christianity. He He had knowledge of the previous scriptures. So he knew the signs of the prophet that was to come. So we wanted to see if these signs would be found in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he told his messenger go look for these three things. So the messenger of Hiraqal, he came back to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And he conveyed the message of Hiraqal to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the reply of Hiraqal to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned the phrase دَعُوْتَنِي إِلَىٰ جَنَّةٍ عرضها السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضِ Hirakal said to the Prophet ﷺ, You are calling me, in your letter, you called me to a Jannah. You said that if I become a Muslim, I will have a Jannah. And the size of this Jannah is like the heavens and the earth. The width of this Jannah is like the heavens and the earth. And then Hiraqal wrote, If the size of Jannah is like the heavens and the, the earth, فَأَيْنَ النَّارِ Then where is the fire? If Jannah is the size of the heavens and the earth, then where is the fire? So the Prophet ﷺ, before replying to this question of Hiraqal, first he asked the messenger of Hiraqal. He said, before I answer this, tell me, what did Hiraqal do with my letter? What did Hiraqal do with my letter? So what is this? This is the first sign. This is the first thing that Hiraqal asked his messenger to look out for. Does he ask about his own letter? So he asked about his own letter. He asked the messenger, what did Hiraqal do with my letter? And the messenger said, he read it and he kept it. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, because he kept it and he didn't rip it up, Allah will keep his kingdom. And the Roman Empire will still have an important position in the world. But the Kisra of Persia, when he received the letter of the Prophet ﷺ, he ripped it up. So Allah Taala destroyed his kingdom. But because Hiraqal, he read the letter and he kept it, he didn't disrespect it, Allah would allow him to stay in power and he would allow the Roman Empire to have a role in the world for some years to come. So the first sign, the messenger of Hiraqal, he said, yes, it's there. He realized that the first sign has been seen then the prophet sallallahu wasallam answered the question that hiraqal had posed in his letter ila that you are, you are calling me to a jannah whose width is like the heavens and the earth so where is the fire and the prophet sallallahu replied to this subhanallah subhanallah idha he said subhanallah where is the night when the di- daytime comes? Where does the night go when the daytime comes? Why are you asking this type of a question? If Jannah, this is the size of Jannah, where is the fire? It's the same thing like asking, where is the night when the daytime comes? So this is the second sign. Hiraqal had asked his messenger, see if he mentions the day and the night. And he mentioned the day and the night. So two out of the three signs have been confirmed now. But now the messenger is confused. How is he going to see the third sign? The Prophet is wearing a garment. How is he going to see the back of the Prophet So the Messenger of Hirakal he asked the Prophet "Can I stay with you guys for some time? Because he wanted to have time and an opportunity to see the back of the Prophet So he asked Rasulullah. He said, "Can I stay with you for some time? And the Prophet ﷺ gave him permission. Yes, you can stay with us for some time. So he stayed with him for a period of time. And during that time that he stayed with the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ tried to talk to him, tried to give him da'wah. He said, you're an intelligent person. You should understand that Islam is the truth. But the messenger of Hiraqal said, I am just a man from amongst my people. Whatever they do, I am with them. So... Eventually the Prophet ﷺ realized that this guy he's just staying. He wants something. The reason, he's not he's not just staying for no reason. He has a reason that he is staying here. And the Prophet ﷺ understood what it was. So he actually called him. He said, Come, come. And he put his back towards him and he removed his upper garment so that he could see the back of the Prophet. ﷺ. And he saw that the seal of prophethood it was there. So now all three signs have been confirmed. So now, this messenger of Hiraqal, he leaves the company of the Prophet Sallallahu and he goes back to Hiraqal. And he tells Hiraqal that all of the three signs that you asked me to look out for, I, I confirmed all of them, every single one of them, he has it. So now Hiraqal knows for sure, 100% that this man is the messenger of Allah. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi So he gathered the commanders of the military Remember, this is the strongest, most powerful empire in the world, the Roman Empire, the strongest army in the world, the biggest army in the world. He gathers his commanders, Herakal gathers his commanders, and he says to them, Look, I have knowledge of our scriptures, the Christian scriptures. I swear by Allah that Muhammad is a prophet of Allah. He is a prophet of Allah. You should accept Islam. We should all accept Islam. And these commanders, they said, no, we will never accept Islam. We will never accept Islam. So Hiraqal, he didn't accept Islam either. Even though he, he saw it with his own eyes that Islam is the truth and that Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has all of the signs of prophethood. Just to hold on to his power, he didn't accept Islam. If his people would accept Islam, then he would have accepted Islam. He wanted them to accept Islam, so he could accept Islam. But because they refused to accept Islam, he decided not to accept Islam either. They said, no, we will not accept Islam. He said, okay, your second option is, let us agree to pay the jizya. Let us agree to subject ourselves to their rule and we will pay them to live peacefully. And then they said, how can you even suggest such a thing? We are the most powerful empire in the world. How can we subject ourselves to be subservient to anyone else's rule and pay them? People pay us the people who are under our umbrella and our protection, they pay us. You expect us to pay anyone else? No, we will never do that. So then he said to them, Hirakal said to them, okay, there is only one last option. Don't fight him. Because if you fight him, you will not win. He is there, he is in Tabuk with his army ready to fight us. Do not go out there and confront him. Don't fight him. Just stay here. So they said, okay, this we can agree with. We will not go out, we will not confront him, we will not fight him. So this is what they agreed upon. The Roman Empire was too scared to fight with the Muslims. So they stayed in their places and they did not go out to confront the Muslim army at Tabuk. So the Prophet ﷺ waited and he waited and he waited for a number of days. Then they sent a messenger and they said to him, even if you wait a year, we're not coming out. We're not going to fight you. We're not going to fight you. So then the news spread around to the people all around the Arabian Peninsula that the Muslims came all the way to the northern end of the Arabian Peninsula with a huge army to face the Roman Empire and the Romans were afraid to come out. The Romans refused to come and fight the Muslim army. The news came out and this gave a huge boost to the reputation of the Muslims. That they went and they confronted the most powerful army on earth. And that powerful army refused to go and face them because they were too scared. So what do you think this does for the image of Islam now? It makes the image of Islam even greater than it was before. And the dominance of Islam is now understood by everyone in the land. So after Tabuk many many tribes and groups of people they came and they accept they accepted Islam in droves. So this was why the ninth year of the Hijrah is known as Amul Wufud, because so many people accepted Islam during that year. So it gave extreme prominence now to the dominance and the reputation of the Muslims and even though there was no actual fight they came there to fight but the Romans refused to fight it was still a great political victory for the Muslims because the Muslims went out to fight the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire were too scared to fight them. This is a great political victory for the Muslims. And it caused many people as we mentioned to accept Islam after that. So the Prophet Sallallahu after after asserting his presence there in Tabuk and after the Roman Empire refused to face him then the Prophet Sallallahu took this as a political victory and he headed back towards Medina. The Prophet ﷺ and his army of 30,000 men, now they left Tabuk and they're heading back to al Medina. And a number of incidents happened also on the way back from Tabuk to Al-Madina. And we'll speak about those incidents next week بإذن الله. Wallahu alam sallallahu alayhi wa ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa